Hey everyone and welcome to the Fantasy Football News Desk Podcast. My name is Brennan Tuma and you can find me on Twitter at Too Much Tuma. Thanks for tuning into the first official episode of the News Desk Podcast. I'm going to get to the introduction in a second here, but first I do just want to check in and Adam, how are we doing today? Fantastic, man. Looking forward to this. Thanks for having me on for the first ever episode. I uh, appreciate you being here. And in my opinion, you are kind of the perfect first guest because your fellow Fantasy Pros News Desk correspondent and your coverage extends to Rotoballer, Game Day NFL, Game Day Hoops, and you're on a fantastic NBA podcast if there are any crossover football and basketball fans here listening. And I think the reason you're a good fit for this show is because I know you just from our, you know, off-air conversations and from just following you on Twitter, that you have a sharp mind when it comes to following the news for fantasy football purposes. And, and you know, that's what we're really trying to break down here today is what value can we extract from not just reading the news, but interpreting the news, you know, in a savvy way. For sure. Yeah. Looking, looking forward to uh, breaking some of this stuff down. We've got a ton of news coming out every day. Players missing camp. Uh, some are serious. Some are probably not so serious. But uh, looking forward to diving into some of that stuff. Has it hit you yet? How close we are to you know prime redraft season and just regular season games in general? Uh, no, I don't think so. But uh, with hard knocks on last night, I, I'm I'm rearing up and getting ready to go. Uh, the Hall of Fame game is kind of a tease, especially with uh, kind of none of the starters really playing except for. Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, I think, for the Steelers. But, yeah, definitely looking forward to some of these preseason games, uh, see some of the rookies, some of the rookie quarterbacks. It should be fun. Absolutely. And speaking of those rookie quarterbacks, this is one of the situations that I'm personally following extremely closely right now. It's Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And just to get started, are you as interested in these two storylines as I am? But, you know, both for NFL fans, do you want to see the rookies on the field? but also from a perspective of fantasy football, because neither of them have been announced as the starter that's keeping their ADPs in check. I imagine just imagine if two weeks from now, if Trey Lance lights it up in a preseason game and then Shanahan names him the starter, you know, his ADP is going to go through the roof. So what are you seeing from, you know, beat writers and just your own personal two cents on the fields and Lance situations? Yeah. So let's start with, with, with Justin Fields in Chicago. Uh, everything out of camp there says Justin Fields looks amazing. He's making, you know, throws, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes-esque, uh, you know, going one direction, throwing across his body towards the middle of the field. I saw that video on Twitter. Uh, so he looks really good. But at the same time, they paid Andy Dalton $10 million to come in for a year and kind of be the bridge starter. And that was, that was you know, probably before they realized that they could, that they had a chance to trade up for a Justin Fields in the draft. But at the same time, what's the what's the rush to put Justin Fields out there week one? If Andy Dalton can get the job done, obviously you have a hungry fan base uh, that wants to wants to kind of move on from the Mitch Trubisky era uh, in Chicago. Uh, but if you if you put Justin Fields out there and he kind of falls flat on his face uh, first couple weeks of the season, you've got a guy making ten million dollars on the bench. I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense. I think we see a situation here where. Let Andy Dalton ride it out. Um, if he fails, then Justin Fields is you know right there waiting in the wings. And I think that he, Matt Nagy would be willing to pull that trigger sooner rather than later if that's the case. Yeah, with these two situations, you know, Shanahan is known as, you know, a 
a progressive mind, especially when it comes to offensively. And Nagy is too. But for some reason, the Bears stuff has been treated more as a, oh, they're going to go with, you know, the the sacrificial lamb and Andy Dalton, you know, for as long as it takes. And then Fields, you know, will take over. Where Lance, it seems like people really think there's more of a chance for week one. But this depends on, you know, the exact league that you play in. But for me, like reading the news with this stuff, it's more about getting out in front of the fields thing. So even if it isn't week one, if it's week two or three, we know that, you know, his rushing upside is a game changer for fantasy. Like look at Jalen hurts is he's going inside the top 10 quarterbacks. And a lot of that is due to rushing and fields has that similar upside. So I know not everyone, you know, it's usually not recommended to draft a backup quarterback, you know, in standard one quarterback redraft leagues, but depending on the league you're in, I do think there's value in getting in on fields early. I think there's a ton of value. Both of these guys averaged 10 plus rushes per game um, in a, in, in whatever their full season at college was. So Shanahan has already talked about implementing the RPO with Lance. They'd likely do something similar in Chicago with fields. And like you said, even if they don't start till week three, week four, week five, like you're still getting the upside of the Jalen hurts um, that you know, that you're getting from him and you might have to wait a couple weeks, but you can easily bridge that with a guy like Baker Mayfield, who's not probably going to be drafted in 12 team leagues as a, as a starting quarterback or a Kirk cousins or somebody that's going to be able to get you those safe, you know, 15, 16 points in the first few weeks. And then you're going to have your guy that's going to take you through the end of the fantasy season and into the playoffs. Cause Lanson fields will be starters at the end of the season. That's hundred percent guaranteed. Because there's gonna something's gonna happen where you know Dalton's gonna falter, Garoppolo's gonna get injured. That just that's just normal. Because especially when there's guys that were drafted that high waiting in the wings. Yeah, and I think there's multiple ways to get on this early. Like you said, in a standard redraft league, you can in best ball. You know their ADPs are only gonna rise in futures bets. I actually myself took Lance as offensive rookie of the year at plus six fifty, and my logic is just that. If he is announced the week one starter, that probably drops to, you know, four to one or something. And as long as it's him and one other towards the end of the year, you can head. So right now there's there's just a lot of room for a potential profit. And that doesn't mean I think one thing with uh, when it comes to things like this, reading the news or whatever, it's like it doesn't mean it's definitely going to happen. That doesn't mean, oh, just because, you know, we're potentially in early on the situation that it's going to happen. And I think that's important for, you know, listeners and fantasy players to understand is we're just always trying to look for that extra 2% edge. Now, one other thing to keep in mind, if Lance and Fields are eventually named the starters, that's mm-hmm. a downtick for the pass catchers, likely in both uh, on both teams, right? Because right now you have George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk that are, their ADPs have Jimmy Garoppolo starting baked into them, I think. Kittle at tight end three, Ayuk, I believe at wide receiver 23. If Lance becomes the quarterback and they implement that RPO, that's 10 fewer plays that that the 49ers are likely going to, th- would likely be throwing the football mm-hmm. or or running with a running back. But you're just taking away 10 plays or 10 opportunities for a, a pass attempt. So uh, definitely like lower your expectations on those guys if Trey Lance does become the quarterback. And while people think like, oh, the offense is going to be more efficient, uh, he's still a rookie, and he's not going to be able to find these guys and uh, at the same kind of uh, rate that Jimmy Garoppolo would be able to. 
Yeah. And the last thing I want to add on this situation, if there are people, you know, saying like, oh, Shanahan is saying, you know, it's still Garoppolo and all that stuff. That very, again, we're not, you know, predicting, we're trying to predict the future here, give ourselves a better chance to predict the future, but we're not, we can't be certain. But I just want to note that it wouldn't make sense for either of these coaches to, you know, on August 11th today, announce these guys as the starters. There's no upside to that. So I wouldn't read too into that yet. You know, we'll get a much better idea once these preseason games start getting underway. And uh, we'll use that to transition to the Colts situation because this is another one that, you know, is, is could swing, you know, early season uh, fantasy matchups. And you yourself just did a blurb for us on Fantasy Pros this morning about Carson Wentz. What did you find out there? Yeah, so per Chris Mortensen, it seems like Carson Wentz and uh, Quentin Nelson, who both suffered sort of the same foot injury and had surgery, uh, are looking at returning week one uh and both both should be on track to start week one so for all those people that were knocking jonathan taylor uh down in the rankings michael Pittman, guys like that um they probably come right back up i'm, I'm not sure that i'm too worried about those injuries for wentz and nelson uh enough to you know knock jonathan taylor out of my top 10 um there were some people that had jonathan taylor as a top five running back and while that's a little spicy of a take, because there's there's some other guys there in that backfield, like I don't know why you wouldn't put him right back up there. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think I think if if Wentz wasn't healthy, they wouldn't rush him out there. So you figure that uh, you know bring those Colts back up in your rankings. Yeah, now th- this has been a weird situation for a few reasons. One, it's weird that they had the same foot injury. Like that's just odd. <laughs> Two, when the f- news first came out about Wentz. It was, oh, he might undergo surgery. He might not. They're going to wait. And then it came out that they did. So a lot of times with, you know, news and NFL and fantasy football is we get a lot of the details later after the fact. But by then, you know, like the the media buzz has moved on. But that, but that is a spot where you can pick up an edge. You know, this was clearly a situation where they thought about it over the weekend and then decided to go ahead and have the surgery. Now, the part that I can't get past and why I'm still a little worried is the 5 to 12 week timetable. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know if that's specific to this injury, but that's just so vague and it leaves so much room for just volatility that I haven't figured out exactly how to play that. Right, and I'm not a doctor either, so I don't want to um act like I know that what the five to 12 week window means, but obviously there's, there's some chance for recurrence of an injury. If it's, if it's that, if you're returning on the early side of that timeline. Um, but I guess for the quarterback position, you know, maybe they're not super worried that, you know, he's going to push off the wrong way or, or have to cut or something like that. Maybe it's more, maybe it affects a running back or a wide receiver more than it would affect the quarterback. I don't know. Does it, matter to you at all because it kind of did because again the the first tweet this morning came out from mortensen and and then it was kind of crickets for a little bit usually when some of these things happen like remember the aaron Rodgers news on draft day it was we were hearing some things and then all of a sudden it was Schefter and rap rapport so since uh mortensen's report came out Schefter also sent out his own tweet and that does make me feel weirdly a little more confident once those big guys start getting in on the reports i don't know if that affects you the same way i think i think Schefter probably wanted to verify that mortensen had the Mm -hmm. right story like the right news right so he took he took an extra half hour 45 minutes uh obviously fantasy pros tweeted it out before Schefter, which we tend to do sometimes sometimes he's a little bit late on some of this news um 
but yeah, I, I, I sort of tend to agree with you when those 4 million uh, follower accounts tweet out the news, then I, I feel a little bit more confident that uh, we're on the right path uh, in understanding what the news is looking like. Yeah, exactly. So I think this is just a classic situation right now that if you, you know, if it's your season long draft that's coming up soon, or it is a best ball draft, if Taylor has started to slip, you know, there might be a little bit of equity that can be gained, but he is going in round two right now. And I think round two running backs, you know, normally, you know, you want to get a running back in round one, sometimes around two. And some of these round two running backs, I think this year are are going to swing things one way or the other and i find myself liking a lot of them i'm not sure if you have a preferred build to start you know your drafts this season or if it's just best player available that type thing but uh i do kind of want to get into some of the recent news here because i've seen you tweeting a lot about these guys so i get a lot of questions what's my favorite draft spot and i think it kind of lends to what you were just asking so i like number one christian mccaffrey obvious Mm -hmm. but then i don't really like it until if you're playing in like a 12 team league Give me like nine through 11 as mm-hmm. opposed to that, you know, three through seven or eight range. Because, like you said, the running back position is super deep this season. We've seen a lot of backfields that now uh, are not as ambiguous as they were a season ago. Like, look at Baltimore, right? Last season, you had Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, and Gus Edwards. And Mark Ingram, for all intents and purposes, was the starting running back there at the beginning of the season. I mean, he obviously fell off and kind of sucked. He's, 32 years old or something jk dobbins took over but you didn't get the jk dobbins that you're gonna get this season and i think you're seeing that with a ton of different backfields so that makes the running back position very deep um so i agree with you there's guys that you can probably pick up uh with the 15th or 16th overall pick that might be just as good as rb4 or five this season yeah, that it's it's kind of a tier. It's McCaffrey and Dalvin, and then you know you're gonna put some of the other guys up there, Kamara Henry. But but I do get what you said. Those tiers become a little more blurred. Now, one of the guy who's been in that tier for a few years has been Joe Mixon, and for me, Joe Mixon is an example in reading the news because we've gotten a lot of coach speak this off season about you know they want him as three down back. The reason I might be willing to buy into that is because they're actions have matched with that coach speak they did let Gio Bernard walk so I'm going to compare him to someone else I want to talk about here Antonio Gibson who again is someone else who are hoping for that true three down role but JD McKissick is still there so you know anything you have on either Mixon or Gibson or in these two situations and if if that's more of an apples to oranges comparison yeah so with Joe Mixon they gave him he, he had some migraines at the beginning of last season uh, those went away quickly when they gave him four years, $48 million. Um, and then there was obviously the foot injury that he dealt with last season. But it, t- it tells you a lot that the Bengals were willing to let Gio Bernard walk uh, in free agency uh, as the he was the pass-catching guy there in Cincinnati. In four games that uh, Gio didn't play in 2018, Joe Mixon had a 77% snap share, 22 carries and targets per game almost a hundred total yards and four total touchdowns. Like volume is not going to be the issue for Joe Mixon this season. I am a hundred percent confident that he's going to see one of the biggest workloads in the NFL uh, at the running back position. The problem is what does this offense look like with Joe Burrow returning from a torn ACL? And is this offensive line good enough so that the Bengals can march down the field and give Joe Mixon opportunities in the red zone? I'm not, 
I'm not worried about uh, him getting targets. I'm not worried about him getting carries. Uh, but I'm worried about the touchdown equity that comes with being on a on a probably pretty poor offense. Yeah, I think just to like uh, interrupt for a sec there, I think that that's the key though. Is like we cannot, you know, trying to forecast how the passing game is going to shake out on the offensive line. Like that's one tough to predict and two you know most of us on fantasy football twitter aren't experts in in that sense you know we're not grinding offensive line tape i can't i hear the Bengals' offense is bad but i can't give you a subjective opinion on that but what we can do is try to you know project workload and you know fantasy football is a volume driven game so that you know is, is kind of the most important thing and from there you know we're trying to make good bets but i agree with you like mixon the workload should be there, you know, whatever else happens from there, you know, is we don't have as much control over, I don't think, but from reading the news and, you know, just when you do team level projections for the Bengals, you know, the, the three down workload, I, I do feel pretty confident about it. I mean, they, they gave him four years after his rookie deal was up. So you look at other guys that got like extended for, you know, three, four years, you're talking about guys like Dalvin cook and Zeke Elliott, like, guys that are going to be on the field 80% of the snaps. So the Bengals clearly view Joe Mixon in that same light, but will Cincinnati be good enough to get him those touchdowns? And that's why he's, you know, RB 12, 13, 14, as opposed to RB three or four. Mm -hmm. And again, the, on the flip side of that with Gibson is someone we really, really want to see that expanded passing down role. I can't say I'm as confident. I'm hopeful, but I can't say I'm as confident as the Mixon situation. So Gibson last season is rookie year. Obviously he was a, he was a receiver at Memphis had 33 career carries. He was still learning for all intents and purposes, right? He's still learning the running back position and how to be, how to, how to work in pass protection uh, on those third down plays when, you know, they need him to protect the quarterback. And you had, in Washington last season, you had Kyle Allen, uh, uh, Taylor Heineke, Dwayne Haskins, and Alex Smith. And Alex, <laughs> Smith. Alex Smith coming off a brutal leg injury, right? Like, so they you have to protect your quarterback. And Gibson might not have been there at that point last season. And that's where J.D. McKissick came into play. And that's why J.D. McKissick saw 110 targets, I think it was, last season. Because it was really out of necessity. All offseason, we've heard, you know, Gibson's going to get more work uh as a pass catcher he's learning the pass pro he's learning the playbook he's learning how to be a running back and you're gonna have a quarterback in ryan fitzpatrick that isn't you know a a rookie or tentative uh so much as those other guys were and remember what happened when ron rivera was the coach uh in carolina in christian mccaffrey's first two seasons mccaffrey averaged 7.4 targets per game and was a workhorse from the from the get-go but he was obviously he was running back in college, but he played a kind of a dual role, right? So maybe Gibson's that, maybe Gibson's uh, Washington's McCaffrey that Rivera had a few years ago back in Carolina. So I I do think we see a pretty big spike in Gibson's uh, you know targets and a much lower uh, rate of being targeted for McKissick because he's not you know needed as much as he was last season. I agree with you. Everything about that sets up and I am ultimately in on Gibson this year. I would just feel, you know, I'm 90% there and I'll, I'll be a hundred percent there. If, you know, we get a little preseason action with, you know, Gibson, you know, handling a lot more passing game work and things like that. That's kind of that last piece I want to see. It all lines up. It all makes sense. I just want to actually see it 
because sometimes, you know, these NFL coaches don't always do what, again, what fantasy football Twitter wants them to do. The one thing, the one thing there I'd caution you is, or caution people listening, right? We all expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to be like this savior and he's going to just march the team down the field. He's a 38 year old, 16 year vet journeyman for a reason, right? He's, he's been with, this is his ninth team in the NFL. Like he will, he's kind of a gunslinger, they call it, right? And he will take those chances and he probably will give Washington, uh, you know, more opportunities to thrive on the offensive side of the ball. But you can't, you know, a lot of people are acting like he's this, you know, he's going to make this team absolutely explode. I'm not sure that's the case, um, but we'll see. So that's just my kind of my word of caution is that we don't really know that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to make this offense like absolutely boom. Mm-hmm. And I, I think another reason being on Gibson, just last thing about Washington is they, they do project to have one of the best defenses in the NFL. And that should, you know, hopefully lead to a lot of positive game stripped for Gibson. So the, the biggest thing to watch with him is going to be that preseason usage. Cause if that happens, then, you know, he could absolutely erupt and vault into that top five running back conversation. The last round two running back I wanted to just get to here because there are, you know, sometimes it's not just about the player themselves. It's, it's about the, surrounding situation in the environment and i think that's what we're looking at here with clyde edwards hilaire who you have just been banging the drum for and i love it because i also like hilaire this year and i was really in on him last year and this is a classic case of he burned people so now you know a lot of you know kind of your standard home league redraft players aren't going to want to be in on him but you the sense i get is that you think that you know this time around could be much better big time I think what happened last season was he got the workload weeks one through six. Andy Reid and the Chiefs had the opportunity to bring in an unhappy Le'Veon Bell from the Jets. They did so. Le'Veon Bell is sort of a diva, right? Like Le'Veon Bell, whether or not he's good, he's going to command work and he's going to command snaps. You're not going to bring Le'Veon Bell in and have him play, you know, 20% of the snaps and give him like two carries like you would with like Daryl Williams. So maybe Clyde Edwards, Alaire's workload tailed off because of that. Um, There's some people that think it tailed off because he wasn't capable in pass pro just wasn't getting the job done. He also dealt with some injuries last season. At one point, I think this off season said he was about 85 or 90% uh, down the stretch uh, his rookie season. So I do expect him to get back to that 65 to 70% snap share. I'm not worried about a 30-year-old Jarek McKinnon, regardless of what's coming out of camp there, about how good of a pass catcher he is. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, that's like his thing, is pass catching. And that's what you want in fantasy football. You want a guy that's going to catch the ball, especially if you're in a full PPR league. Um, So if he burned you last season, just go back and look at those weeks one through six, and then remember why you drafted him as RB6 or 7 last season. And understand he could easily be a RB one, a back end RB one this season. I think fantasy players sometimes often confuse uh, a running back being a good pass catcher with a running back being a good pass protector. And that's what coaches want when they put, you know, if you have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, you need to know that that running back is going to pick up the block. So for Clyde Edwards, Larry comes into last season without, you know, a full training camp and all that stuff. And, you know, he probably just wasn't ready for that. So it's sometimes not about like he's a naturally good receiver. And sometimes that's not what it's about. It's about being a good pass blocker. And I think that gets mixed up a little bit sometimes. No doubt. And and, uh, 
you know, this is an offense that's going to score the football. They're going to drive down the field. They're going to be in the red zone often. Uh, under Patrick Mahomes, I think in 2018, they had 37 running back rush attempts in the red zone. In 2019, they had 30 rush attempts by running backs in the red zone. In 2020, in, in CEH's rookie season, they only had 22. So there was there weren't as many, for whatever reason, opportunities for the running back to get the ball in the red zone. I expect that number to normalize back up to the mean, you know, closer to 30, low 30s. Uh, that should mean, you know, positive touchdown regression for, for Edwards Zilaire. Um, Kareem Hunt in 2018 with the Chiefs scored a touchdown, I think, every once every 15 opportunities. Damian Williams in 2018 and 19 scored every 18 opportunities. Clyde Edwards Zilaire only scored every 42 opportunities last season. So if that number kind of corrects itself too on a really good offense we could be looking at a guy that scores 10 to 12 touchdowns uh this season instead of the five he scored last season so do not give up on a guy who was drafted as the first running back off the board uh in the 2020 nfl draft i agree he's due for positive touchdown aggression and betting on the chiefs offense is always a good move so we're going to always try to keep these shows here at half an hour just to you know give people the news the info they need and try to remove a lot of the fluff but before we get out of here, I do want to ask you what you're watching moving forward, you know, this week. And in terms of what, like, I think that the Gibson thing is like what we talked about is like, that's what fancy players should be looking for. Like, that is something that you don't need a fancy expert to tell you yourself. Like, that is something that, you know, managers can, a skill that they can pick up on their own. Like, let's monitor the, the passing game work for Gibson in the preseason game. So what would you tell listeners to, to be on the lookout for? the rest of this week and the next week or so i would tell listeners that it's important to be on the lookout for for injuries but also to sort of combine that with what the perceived role of that player is on that team so we heard that aaron jones is not or hasn't practiced the last couple of days with i believe is a hamstring injury guess what aaron jones was just paid right aaron jones knows how to work with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and Devonta and the rest of the offense. Aaron Jones doesn't need to be there. I'm not worried about Aaron Jones until the Packers tell me I need to worry about Aaron Jones at all. DeAndre Swift, on the other hand, probably needs some more reps in this offense. Um, you know, second year in, this, in the league, uh, didn't really see a, a big role last season until, you know, down the stretch. Uh, hasn't practiced in, uh, practiced in quite some time. I'm a little bit more concerned about that. I'd like the lines to, you know, comfort me a little bit about that injury. Um, you know, his role's not as solidified, we don't think, as Aaron Jones's is. So keep an eye on DeAndre Swift. Uh, Zach Moss apparently isn't practicing. That's not good. He's got an injury history, dealt with some injuries last season. Um, Josh Allen's the running back in Buffalo, really, for all intents and purposes. Um, I'm a big Zach Moss guy this season, but you can't go into the season hurt dealing with a hamstring injury. So looking for more details on that. Uh, from the Bills. And then as the resident Eagles fan here, I have to bring up the fact that everybody from all the beat writers in Philadelphia are talking about how much Jalen Hurts is targeting the tight end position. Now that could be a result of, you know, Devonte Smith, not, you know, being a part of the practices right now. It could also be, you know, due to the fact that that's just like Jalen Hurts' comfort zone uh, is, is throwing, you know, you know, the quick, uh, quick slants, quick outs to his tight ends. Uh, obviously, you've got Zach Ertz there and you've got Dallas Goddard there. Now, both those guys are likely to see lots of targets. 
uh, we don't know if Zach Ertz is even going to be on the team now. Like lots of lots of uh, of reporters think that he's not going to be on the team come week one, but we haven't seen a market for him yet. So, you know, if he's there, you have to you have to think that he's going to see six to seven targets, and Dallas Goddard's going to see six or seven targets. If they're both there, though, they both kind of get you know pressed down the rank. Or Dallas Goddard, you know, if if Zach Ertz isn't there. Dallas Goddard's probably a top six tight end. Like he's going to see eight, nine targets if Zach Ertz is not there. Um, but if Ertz is there, you got to bring Goddard down a little bit. But then Ertz has a little bit of appeal as a back end tight end too, in my opinion. Yeah, I, th- I think the Eagles have been interesting because there was for a while there a little speculation. I don't want to get too much into the Deshaun Watson stuff, but you know, there was speculation that like he could be going to the Eagles, but like, I don't, this is not the NBA. Like I would be stunned if a trade of that magnitude happened at this point. Like we, and that, that's kind of why I never bought into the Aaron Rodgers trade stuff. Like once the draft passed, like NFL teams, like, again, this is, this is not the NBA where James Harding gets traded, you know, in week one of the season, NFL teams, like they, they make their moves early. Stafford got traded early. You know, we saw Wentz, you know, got traded early. So we see, NFL teams need that whole off season to install their offenses and everything. So uh, I have seen Hertz's, you know, perceived value dip a little bit and, you know, I'd be willing to buy into him again. He's got that crazy rushing upside. He has a fantastic week one matchup against the Falcons. I, I do kind of like being in early on the Eagles now, especially if people are worried about Hertz keeping the job. Now I was, I was exactly right. Like, the, the Texans are going to go into the season. They're going to start Tyrod Taylor. Deshaun Watson probably gets suspended for X amount of games. No other team wants to deal with that right now. Um, you got to see the Eagles have to see what you have in Jalen Hurts before just trading three first round picks um, to get Deshaun Watson, who's going to be suspended for probably at least four, six, eight games a season, right? So yeah, I mean it's. Uh, it's a unique situation, but I do, I do think that there's, there is a little bit of a dip on Jalen hurts because of these rumors that are floating around and that Devonte Smith isn't, isn't healthy, but guess what? The Eagles are going to be playing from behind a lot and Jalen hurts going to run the football a lot. What more do you mm-hmm. need from a fantasy quarterback? Exactly. That's the, that's like the the new buzzword. And maybe it's just the people I'm following, but dip is the word that everyone's using uh, in their fantasy analysis days. Yeah. But uh, that'll do it for the first episode of the fantasy football news desk podcast. Adam, you are on Twitter at Adam Koffler. Can you let everyone else know what else you're going to be up to these next few weeks, where they can find you, where they can hear your sharp takes? Yeah. So Twitter is probably the best place to find me. Uh, I'll be having some articles come out for, uh, had a, a week one, uh, bet analysis come out for uh, the, the Washington football team versus Chargers week one game. I'm also going to have some stuff at Roto Baller, uh, some articles over there, as well as some uh, be covering some of the the news that Brendan's been talking about uh, for fantasy pros. So you can you can pretty much find everything I'm doing on Twitter. Uh, follow along. Yep. Like Brendan said, all the sharp takes and I'll try to provide whatever actionable uh, fantasy analysis I can from from that information. Awesome, man. I really, really appreciate you coming on and I hope you have a good rest of your day here and best of luck to your egos this season. (laughs) Thanks, man.